Hello, hello, and welcome back to the show. I am the divine. Dingo. Welcome back. What's up, you dirty dogs? All you limp biscuits out there? Thanks for being here. I'm Ashley, the host of this spectacular show, Divine Dingo. If you didn't get that from the new intro song that I just made up off the spot, what can I say? I am a visionary. I am a musical visionary. So I don't know. I mean, I'll probably make millions off of that, but and probably like a one hit wonder kind of thing. Cause I have to keep that like that level of mystery to myself. Like, oh, she made that one song and then she just fell off. What does she do now? And I just delete all my social media and I'm just like, fuck it. I don't need the fame. I don't need the fame, man. So I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. It's the end of Mars Retrograde. I think we have two days left. I recorded this interview at the start of Mars Retrograde and going back and editing it, the energy has shifted substantially. The energy of like my inner world and all the inner shit that I am just like constantly sifting through. It's so fun. Oh my God. The awakening process, ascension. You gotta try it. You gotta try it. It's just like one day you're like, oh my God, none of this is real. I'm a galactic being. I'm a God. I'm from the animal realm. I was a dolphin in all my past lives. And then the next day you're like, remember that time in sixth grade that that girl Susie said that you are dumb and remember how that shattered you and that led you to the path that you are on today? Do you remember that? Do you remember how dark of an experience I was? Do you want to cry about it for two days? I don't know. Can I blame Mars? Can I really blame Mars? I have a habit of yelling at the planets on this series here. Hey, nine episodes in and I'm already forming habits. Your girl is here to curse at the planets? I don't know. I did have a friend that told me one time to like make a planet my bitch or something. Shout out to you, Paul. Something to do with some planet in retrograde. I was like, what do I do here? And you're like, I don't know, make it your bitch. I don't know if those are your exact words, but that quote lives forever in my heart when I think about planets. So when I recorded this interview, I I had forgotten that I had the power to tell planets what to do and that they weren't the boss of me. So I was going through it the days leading up to this interview, but we had scheduled it and I was like, I will commit to this interview. And I think this is only my third official interview at the time. I think I have four under my belt now. So I'm basically like gold star podcast host at this point. I don't know if it's going to get any better from here. But on the podcast today, I have my new friend, the artist that did my podcast artwork, Rummy Nazer. We spent over an hour and a half just talking about an array of things and everything from like what bugs are cool to kill to like hip hop music and why does it exist? So strap in and get ready. Ramin is, Ramin's energy is, I want to say infectious, but I feel like the times that we're in, you know what I mean? I could find a better word. But I, like I said, at the beginning of Mars Retrograde, I was just really having a rough time. And from the 
moment we got on the mic to the end of it, my energy just completely shifted. And he just has this energy that invited me to just like loosen up and just relax and just don't look at it as like you're interviewing a person to put on a podcast and share it with the world, you know, my 40 listeners or whatever, but just like hang out with me. Let's just talk. Let's just like talk about whatever the fuck comes up and let's just like hang out. And that was the energy that kept throughout this entire episode. And so I'm really excited to share it with you guys. If you don't know Rami Nazer, he is an artist that lives in LA. He has a website where you can find all of his art his published books. He's turned some of his art into t-shirts and buttons. He has some games that he's made that I actually just found out about uh, right before I recorded this. They're like apps, which is super cool. And he has a podcast called the Rainbow Brain Skull Podcast. And I know that you can find it on Apple Podcasts, but you can definitely find it on his website. It's RameenNazer.com. That's R A. M-I-N-N-A-Z-E-R.com. And I will link it down in the show notes. If you don't know who he is, um, do you need help lifting that rock you've been sleeping under? I mean, come on. But like I said, he did do my podcast artwork. It is beautiful. I know. I love it. Um, Sorry about that accent. I, I can't help it. I... I mean, I probably could help it, you know, I am the creator of my own reality. So I think I like talking in accents. I don't know if they're offensive. DM me if they are. I'm sorry. I was a theater kid. I just, oh, it just oozes out of me. I am always in the theater. All right. Yeah, this is getting obnoxious. So this interview is great. Like I said, third interview ever. Mars Retrograde was fucking me up. Ramin is amazing. Check him out. Now you know. I love you guys. Without further ado, bats, cats, dogs, and rats, welcome Ramin Nazar! We also had a hummingbird come in the house recently. In your house? Yeah, in the house. See, isn't it weird that I didn't bring that one up first? Like, by the end of this podcast, it's going to get wilder and wilder. There's going to be a dragon that I rode when I was seven years old that I forgot about. So the the hummingbird, we have a hummingbird feeder, and there's sugar water in it, and they all gather around, and they go to war with each other, and it, it shows that they, there's enough sugar water for all of them, but they can't not be territorial. So none of them end up drinking as much as they'd want because they're always chasing each other around. I don't know if it's war games or if they're actually trying to kill each other. So, uh, But one time the restaurant, as we like to call it, the sugar water uh, stand that hangs outside the balcony, the restaurant was closed. There wasn't any sugar water in it, but the door was open. And one just flew in and we joked that it was coming inside the kitchen of the restaurant to get more of the the food and yell at the chefs. And the part that sucked was we have this high ceiling and the instinct of the hummingbird isn't to go straight. It's to escape by going up. So it just kept going up and it didn't know that if it dropped down, it would find the exit. But it just kept hitting the ceiling and just flying up and up and up until it got exhausted and then once it got exhausted, we managed to get a ladder and go up there. And 
um, my girlfriend actually managed to pick it up with her hand. Like she has a very good connection with animals and just picked up the hummingbird in her hand and walked outside with it. And we took a Q-tip and cleaned its beak with all the dust that it's accumulated and lint that it got from the ceiling. And then eventually it stopped being tired and a, a gust of wind kind of made it want to fly away. But uh, that was cool and scary because we were afraid the cat was going to try to kill it. He was also there. We were we were racing against the cat. He was trying to catch it and kill it. And we were trying to catch it and set it free. So we won that time. And one time there was a mouse in the house also. And like he was he was climbing shit that he never would climb before. I'm talking bookcases where there's nowhere to really like sit his body. But since the mouse was up there, he like scaled the bookshelf and was just hanging on by a ledge, like trying to get it. So he really turned up his physical ability when there was something he wanted to get. Did he get the mouse? No, that one we also managed to. This one was crazy because the mouse ended up falling back behind a different shelf in which it was caught just enough so that it wasn't falling down. It was like kind of stuck in between the wall and the shelf. And then I, I grabbed it by its tail and then carried it outside and set it free and it was fine. Nice. You are a friend to the animals. <laughs> you said that your girlfriend is more though? Yeah, she's more, um, she has that touch more. I think like cats mm -hmm. will really come to her. I'm good with cats too, but they're like especially drawn to her and she can really figure things out. Or like when we went to this lamb farm, is that what it's called? Like somewhere where they had sheep and like have baby sheep and raise them. She was like really good at getting them to drink the the milk out of the bottles. And um, yeah, she has that animals like her thing. They, they think I'm good too, but just when I'm, when I'm comparing it to her, I'm like, yeah, she definitely is better at, at that. And then there's people that animals hate. Those people suck. <laughs> I feel really bad for those people, but I also feel like they did it to themselves. You know what I mean? I'm like, what did you do to make the animal kingdom <laughs> hate you, man? Like, it's something that you did. Or when people tell me, they're like, you know, I'm just not really an animal person. I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, what do you mean by that? Um, and then sometimes they tell me a story about how they had, they're like, oh, when I was a kid, I got like, attacked by a really big dog i'm like oh okay okay well i'm really sorry that, that makes sense yeah whenever i hear that that uh, that totally makes sense whenever i hear that and uh i never had that in me i'm i've never been uh i've never been vegan but i've i've never also been on that other end of the spectrum you know the kid that likes to put ants under the magnifying glass the kid that likes to put a little frog on a tree branch and fling it like a, a slingshot across the field or something like that i never liked uh, interfering or hurting the the animals. Um, I mean, it's different when it's insects, I guess. Maybe not at the deepest, deepest level. Like, I, I'm interested in hearing what you think about, like, mosquitoes and flies and stuff and whether I'm a, a monster for taking those pests out. But I don't know. I think insects kind of fall in a different category. I think vegans flot flies? Swat flies. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think of insects? Are, are, are you connected to the insect kingdom? <laughs> they swat. They swat flies. They flot swat. <laughs> um, yes. Um, reluctantly, 
I am connected to the insect kingdom uh, right around the time that I just started really opening up my myself to the idea that I was from the animal realm and that I had a big connection to the animal kingdom. I remember there's so many spiders that started coming into my apartment and I had to have a conversation with them. I was like, look, guys, <laughs> I know that I'm here to speak for the animals. But, you know, just like I said with the squirrel earlier, we have to have boundaries. Right. And um, just not in the bed. Just don't get in the bed. Don't crawl on my face when I'm sleeping. I'd like to think that they understand and we have that mutual understanding. Um, I did just spot one in my apartment the other day. And right when you said insects, <laughs> I looked to see if that spider was still there and he's gone. So I'm not nervous about that at all. You know, I'm just totally um, embodying this whole speak to the animals, you know, but I think about mosquitoes. I just had such a negative experience growing up on the East Coast and then living in the Midwest in those summers and mosquitoes were just so disrespectful. They were just all over you, no matter what you were doing, just trying to have a good time outside. And so, I mean, I think that if an animal or an insect is like coming at you, right? You have a, you are <laughs> able to, if you're able to, you should like protect yourself. And that means like killing the mosquito because I don't want anything to suck my blood without my permission, you know, at least ask permission. Yeah, consent, number one. Exactly. But with like spiders, I just really do believe that they are protectors. Um, I, I just I like having them around. Are they more protectors or architects or both? I think that they're both. Right. Yeah. I mean, what are they more, though? I don't know, man. I guess you got to I guess I should ask the spider. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I don't have great relationships mm -hmm. with them. But uh, so interesting. No. Killing the attacked by a really big one. No, I don't think I was. I think just, I don't know what it is. And I'll, no, I don't let them out much, do I? I've, I've told myself, like, if I saw a really, really big one, then I would. But for some reason, the, the brown recluses or something like that, like, I'm like, it's too big of a security risk. I'm sorry, you've been marked as a terrorist organization and the administration is, has a zero tolerance policy. But uh, who knows, maybe that changes. Because before, and maybe it was instilled by my brother. My brother is like particularly afraid of them for some reason. And even a picture of one, even a not realistic looking Halloween plastic ring one, like he can't even look at a picture of a plastic one. So he's he's really got the phobia there. And I've just got the, I'd rather you not be around here. I don't want to get a bite and have that necrosis, even if this is total you know, right wing fear mongering from my part, but it's still, I guess, just where <laughs> I'm at right now. And I justify the, I justify killing the very small. I like how this podcast just became about instead of connecting to the animal kingdom, which ones are okay to kill? And let's talk about killing them. And I justify killing them by, like a mosquito, for instance, by thinking that aside from just the vampire part of it, that they're so simple that they're, they're more simple than an algorithm that I could write. Thus, they're not alive, even though they're probably completely alive. And let's say they are alive, then they're some reincarnation that did bad things the last incarnation. And I'm helping them move further along. And their mosquito incarnation is now over. And now they get to do something better. So I help them. Both of those I don't truly, truly believe. But I just thought that'd be funny for the pod. Ramin, it's not funny to joke about killing. Yeah, it insects. is. Fuck them. I wish you would stop. <laughs> all of them if you're a life form you're out of here zero tolerance <laughs> policy for life no i yeah, like I mean, to well, actually so with... i was just reading 
with, with or uh, didn't mean to just tell me about the thing you're reading, but I just first wanted to say that when when they're kind of cool looking, like a ladybug. My girlfriend bought a thousand ladybugs because they're good for plants. Like you buy a little jar of them and you let them go, and then they I don't know what they do to the plant, but they're good for it. And I was so afraid of just even one of those little ladybugs getting hurt. Like I was trying to protect all a thousand of them. So it's weird how I discriminate against mosquitoes versus ladybugs or a cool little praying mantis or something like that. I, I take care of them. But go ahead. You were reading something? Well, yeah, I was. Um, but I just want to go back to what you were saying was I think that um, people have talked about how Disney and just like animated movies in general have have given us this idea of um, animals or creatures that we should care about and ones that we should like vilify. And I think that that's a really good example. I mean, you see um, a spider or a mosquito and they're, um Disney doesn't make like cute spiders or mosquitoes. Right. But they always make like really cute uh ladybugs you know yeah just, in every disney movie there is one cute ladybug you just gotta look for it but it's there jiminy cricket i guess that counts right you know and um also praying mantis it's so funny that you say praying mantis because when you're talking about hummingbirds earlier i thought about somebody told me one time that praying mantis will kill hummingbirds so if you ever see a praying mantis hanging around your um hummingbird restaurant you should be careful because those they're not just there to be friends with the hummingbirds they're gonna fuck that hummingbird up and if you don't believe me i looked it up on youtube and there are a lot of videos of praying mantis just staying so still and then just going for the kill and just killing this hummingbird and i guess they eat it i mean why else right that's like enough food for like a thousand lifetimes. They're these little skinny twig looking aliens and hummingbirds are like big. I mean, compared to them, what I think of, but I don't, I don't deny, I don't doubt it because, you know, there's also the snake that can eat the elephant or whatever. Uh, maybe not that far, but, you know, snake that can unhinge its jaw so big that you see the shape of the animal like it's a cartoon inside of its uh, abdomen. So, yeah, I didn't know that about the um, Zorax. What is it? Praying mantises. That's fascinating. Now it's becoming a Joe Rogan episode where we're talking about animal brutality. <laughs> and like, fuck the vegans, right? Yeah, fuck fuck vegans. Got to mm -hmm. eat elk and jalapenos every day. And uh, what's another Roganism? A mountain lion ate my dog. That was another thing that brought up in a while. Um, that chimp will rip you to shreds. I think the first thing I channeled from the animal realm was they were specifically, you know, I, I don't know who exactly I was talking to. I think I was just talking to like my guides. It's kind of like the way that I've seen it. It's like a council and I'm just like in the middle uh, and we're like all on treetops or something. It's kind of it's it's a wild experience. But they were talking about how they just they didn't want people to stop eating animals. Right. They just wanted there to be that reverence and that respect again that there used to be and that we all used to live together right but that also means that sometimes that chimp will rip you to shreds and sometimes that means <laughs> that like that human will skin you and use you for a nice rug in its house right ah. so it's like it's not that either one should totally stop harming the other it's there is this uh the flow that happens and it, it has to happen and the animal kingdom and the animal realm um at least the the beings that i speak to they understand that they just it right now it's just happening like we just treat animals like they are uh robotic and they are just solely um instinctual robotic creatures of the forest that we are so deeply disconnected to 
but a human is an animal. And so it's like some people will, will really pay attention to their language around animals and they'll say um, non-human animals and animals. Right. <laughs> and then I it, it, and I've 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 listened to a couple of podcasts that really like hone in on language. I do think that language is really important. Um, mainly because I haven't paid that much attention to it. And so now when I par- start paying attention to how important language is, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, that's so important. And then also at the same time, I'm like, but eventually we're just going to like stop using words to communicate. Right. So should I just, should I put to a lot of time into perfecting my language around animals? I don't know. Well, yeah, I mean, it depends where your, um, for lack of a better word, your where your heart, where your feeling is coming from, as opposed to the word itself, because you can say words with different feeling behind it, and they can have completely different meanings. Um, and yeah, I guess words have already gone away in a little bit. The way we're communicating with gifts sometimes and emojis, and um, one of my favorite things I heard recently was, uh, I don't know if you know. Onyx Ashanti, the Afrofuturist uh, beat jazz uh, guy who's constantly cyborging himself, uh, lives in Detroit, I think. It's a very fascinating guy. But he said, uh, your brain does not send words from your occipital lobe to your prefrontal cortex. It does it all with vibrations and, you know, sound. And like, it's more of a, a vibrational thing than it is words being sent so there are no real words going on in your brain it's it gets transferred to the other thing so leaving those behind will not really uh hinder us it was just a stepping stone to get us there it'll it'll still be around the same way there's still orchestral music even though there's lots of hip-hop and sampling and djs and and lo-fi everything digital music um it'll still be language but i guess it just won't be the only way we communicate once we're in true telepathy land. Have you um, like actively practiced telepathy with anybody in your life? Hmm. No, I guess not. I mean, other than musically, you'll get into that space. Like if you're jamming with someone, like you'll, you'll kind of feel when you're playing for enough and you kind of know each other's tendencies, you'll kind of feel something change and then you'll change at the same time. And the, the right turn that you both made is the same way. So it's kind of weird that you both decide to change at the same time. So little telepathies like that. Um, also living with someone for like what, more than eight years. Now you kind of know how to finish each other's sentences or you, you can tell when they're, they're feeling a certain way you develop that empathy and you know, if they say they're fine and you know, they're not fine. So you know how to kind of press a little bit more, push a little, see if, are you sure you don't want to talk about something? So kind of like that. But no, no telepath, no telepathy in the sense of I can predict what number you're thinking of or something like that. I don't think that I have experienced it and maybe not in the way um, that I think that I would experience it. But, you know, when you uh, go to text somebody and you pick up your phone and you have a text from them or uh, you were just thinking of them and then you see them on the street and it's like, those, I guess that we could just lump those synchronicities. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, are those just like all just synchronicities then? Um, and I just feel like, you know, it's just, they're all just manifestations of the same thing. So if it could be telepathy, right. But I feel like telepathy is more, I'm sending Ramin a message in my mind now, and then Ramin will receive the message, right. And you would receive it 
I would, I, I have tried it before with a friend where it's like, we both plan. Um, we're like, okay, at 6 PM, I'm going to try and telepathically send you a message. And when, or if you get it, just send me a text back by what, by what it is. And, or if you get what it is. And, um, I, it, it has not worked at all. (laughs) We've been so far out. It's like, I think she was trying to tell me something like totally random, like, the Joker wears pink polka dot underwear on Sundays after brunch. And I was like, are you trying to tell me to eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? Because <laughs> that's what I'm getting. <laughs> and uh, so I think that they're like, well, and I actually was just reading a book back to what we were talking about earlier. It's called psychic pets. I found it today for three bucks. Mm. And um, the first thing that it does is it goes through and it talks about like the different kinds of like psychic abilities. And for what it says for telepathy was specifically like sending and receiving messages in your mind. And um, I don't know. I've heard Jessa talk about how like we're all just going to eventually move to telepathic communication. But I don't think that it, it it is a structured experience like when people try to define it, like one message to one brain yeah. to another. I think that it's little like synchronicities and like oh I was just thinking about you or like you were talking about with your partner how you can just sense when you are like when they're going through something but they don't want to talk about it right I don't think that it's this strict definition of we will experience this version of telepathy yeah you hit the nail on the head when you said that it's not uh sending messages and it makes me think of a Terrence McKenna quote where he said that true telepathy is not I think a thought and then you receive it and then you know go through it and process it true telepathy is you see what I mean and it's this like strong emphasis on the visual almost and the feeling where you don't have to unpack a message like an email it's just you you know what I'm saying instantly it's just there it's like uh almost feeling through the other person or or seeing through their eyes it's like being able to switch experiential felt presence of immediate experience POV sort of thing. And I guess at that point, it's like we're going to that prophecy of we're all one and that deep truth of we're all one. It's going to be very clear, but we're also going to get to retain our individuality because no one wants to be the one big blob with no individuation. We kind of like our avatars, but we also are kind of lonely here. So we're going to have the best of both worlds if we keep going on that trajectory towards more communication with less um what is it uh war with each other i don't know maybe that's just part of it as as we have to get there i don't know for sure i don't have actual predictions of the future oh i'm sure that you do somewhere in that (laughs) ethereal body right just feel it right yeah and i i have to remind myself of that too with um with trying to get back to that oneness, I'm like, Oh, it'll just, let's just get back to the oneness where we're all connected. But the, we're here to, to be separate from each other for that experience. So I, I just get, sometimes I was just talking to a friend today about how I get so wrapped up in just trying to be, you know, higher dimensional intergalactic. I am not a human. I'm all these other things. And then I just like, I'm starting to unintentionally bypass all these human experiences um, because yeah. it can get lonely once you realize that you are all the things, but you are still like alone in your apartment and you haven't like, you know, with, especially with COVID, how like socially distanced we all are from one another. It's like, oh, but I feel so alone, but I am everything. And it's like that you start to battle those feelings inside of yourself. And it's like, what do you cling to and then for me I always get to what do I cling to and then my more the wiser version of myself is like the lesson is not to cling to anything at all and I'm like oh, fuck. <laughs> all right, well, 
<laughs> I like I like how when, go, I guess. when we remember our higher selves, they're like so much more posh and like like royalty like like you must remember to do, 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 do the thing correctly instead of <laughs> crude and like more sarcastic and it, it, it do you think about like future people and how we often project onto future people like this more they're, they're like they have less sarcasm less humor they're like oh we are the future kind people here to give you technology as opposed to their level of of satire and sarcasm is going to be so much more advanced than ours because we're not we're not the future yet do you think about that? Um, I don't. I wouldn't say that I have thought about it a lot, but now that you bring it up, I I guess I in my mind I have thought about like that um, that cheesy like we are from the future and we like think differently and we are. And then I I look at um, some of the things I see on Instagram from like the next generation. And I'm like, you know, I just don't think that we're going there. <laughs> you mean Star Trek: The Next Generation? Oh, you or you mean Zoomers? Which which next generation? Are they called Zoomers? The next generation, you know, after millennials. Is that Zoomers? Not it's. Is that a play on Boomers? Yeah, get with the program. Yes, it's like Boomer, but Zoom Generation Z. <laughs> so it's like combining Generation Z with Boomer and Zoomer, and it implies, you know, that it's going very fast. They were born after we hit the asymptotic novelty curve, where everything gets stranger and stranger and stranger and stranger by the day, and you can't even predict what's going to happen in like a week and where the news cycle is going to sit. And that also plays on um, how everyone has at least one Zoom meeting a day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. It was coined before COVID. But yeah, now that plays into it even more. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I just I appreciate the amount of time that the Zoomers are putting into creating a lot of like dog videos throughout uh, <laughs> this pandemic. They have really put in a lot of time and effort to uh, bring me the content that I'm here for. So yeah, um, did I answer your question? I don't know. Sure, I did. That's interesting because I don't get I don't get any of that actually. That must be your algorithm. I don't get much dog content. Oh, yeah. I get dog content and, um, oh, the one that kills me, and I wish that I never clicked on it, but it, it just is a part of who I am, is like um, when people come home from like being away for a long time and they surprise their like elderly parents somehow and then they like surprise them and then there's all these tears and then I'm crying because they're crying. And I'm like, <laughs> I am so soft. And then I just turn it off and I put on like some heavy metal or something to get myself <laughs> back in shape. I'm like, no, no, Ashley, you're slipping. Do you know Dan Soder, the comedian? He had a joke uh, about that, about how he quit porn by uh, looking at videos like that, like uh, coming home to see their parents or like soldiers coming home to see their kids and dogs uh, excited to see their owner, et cetera. And he called it face coming instead. And then he managed to beat his <laughs> porn addiction by switching to he needed to emotionally orgasm or however he words it. Yeah. Uh, no, I haven't heard of that, but I um, that deeply resonates because <laughs> I will just go down these like YouTube holes. I'm like, what am I doing here? It's been two hours and I'm a mess. But I feel alive, you know? Yeah, if you emerge a mess, it's probably bad. But I don't know. I think there's value in aimless YouTube travel, like purposeless YouTube browsing and just see where you end up. And you kind of forget a whole part of society exists. Like there's so many, let's say, skateboarding videos, drum videos, cooking videos. And if you're not really looking out for that stuff, then it doesn't appear on the algorithm. But then all of a sudden you're like, oh, my God, there's so many drummers there's so many skateboarders there's like a whole 
big crazy universe of us mammals doing all sorts of wild things and if you just look at the first page it's just trump bill barr joe biden trump bill boards but and then you think it's just going to be that and makeup tutorials but it's a wild place you can uh look at fun stuff in but that's to each their own i guess i don't know how it's going to end up if you go in a rabbit hole for three hours i like it i guess is my point yeah i mean everybody has their own algorithm that is tuned perfectly for them so yeah i don't want anyone to see mine that would that would be the worst yeah i actually feel the same way um yeah i've looked at my search because i've seen those things they're like oh when you go to your search on instagram it shows you what you look at the most and i was embarrassed by some of the things that were popping up like the just the amount of like weird 15 second clips of like a baking video like the ingredients to the finished product and like 15 seconds blows my mind. So I had a lot of those. And then um, I can't remember what else, but I finally got the algorithm just where I want it. And now it's just um, animal videos and like fun, not all just dogs, although, you know, I do love the dogs, but yeah. The, Ooh, uh, I got to get some more of that. You do. I mean, I think everybody needs a little bit more, but there's nothing. It just gives me hope. Like I started my morning this morning with like five dog videos that go from like oh they're they only had three legs and then they had to get one amputated and now look at their life and they're doing so well or they died uh, or their owner died in front of them and now they have a happy family and it's like you're so, i get so emotionally invested in their journey and then i'm just so moved and i don't know <laughs> there's real yeah that's real yeah that's real emotion yeah no i get that mm-hmm and I forget that we can always have more of that if we want. We're just kind of not used to it yet. Like we, I know we're not, I don't know in which way we're not using it right, but it's like technology emerges and then 10 years later, some very good innovation using that technology is um, applied, but it's not like it couldn't have happened 10 years ago. It's just nobody did it. Like um, I'm trying to come up with a good example here. Like maybe Twitter, like Twitter could have existed in the mid 90s. The technology was there. It's like text and like having an account is very basic, 140 characters, but it just wasn't there yet. We weren't, uh, we weren't, um, it, it hadn't occurred. It was much more bulky stuff, like putting more information, more, put your picture, put your, your favorite hobbies, et cetera. And then when they made it really simple, it, it kind of took off. I know there's better examples than that, but the, the point of that is like, I know that we're having a bad time using these social media platforms because we're not using them right. A lot of us aren't. Some of us maybe are. I'm not saying I am at all, but uh, I don't know. It might be a, a matter of we have to switch our behavior and then the technology is going to be better for us than uh, making us want to go crazy every day. I haven't seen Social Dilemma yet, but um, you know, you hear about it nonstop. It's, it's the new Tiger King. It's the new Wild Wild Country. It's the new... What's that murderer guy? Whatever. People understand. Should I watch it? <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, whatever. If you feel drawn to it, you already know that it's happening, though. Like, I, I mean, you know that. I, I guess it was just the one thing. There was one line that stuck out to me the most. It was like, how do you break yourself out of the Matrix if you don't know that you're in the Matrix? Ooh, okay. And I don't think that they meant it in the way that I took it, but I was like, Mm, I fucking feel you, dude. How do we do it? But he just meant like in the way that all of these social media platforms are just manipulating you to stay on and to more click more and and then just like the spreading of of like false information. I think that it was filmed 
or at least um, it wasn't released until a little bit after COVID because they do talk like just a little bit about like false information around the pandemic and things like that. But I mean, I don't feel like it's anything that you, you remain don't know already, but I, it was humbling and it did just kind of like put a, a certain things in a perspective for me about how much I just like nonchalantly open Instagram and like, what am I looking for when I open it? Because I'm not, I mean, a part of me is, you know, looking for the dog video. Sure. But I'm also looking for some sort of like validation or connection or something that I'm never going to get. And then I just imagine like these uh, Instagram robots behind it, just like people <laughs> just like manipulating me. They're like, you will find some connection here. And I just yeah. keep scrolling and scrolling. And then eventually like, wait, I'm still alone. What the fuck? And then I just turn it off. And I don't know. It's a slot yeah. machine. And we we get more addicted to stuff when it doesn't pay off every time, like a slot machine that pays off um, once every 20 times or something is more addictive than one that pays off every time. And I don't know what that is psychologically, but that's kind of one reasoning I heard that why QAnon is so popular because most of the time it's wrong, but that gets you hooked because sometimes I don't I don't really know what the drops are or where they've been right or where they've been wrong, but just in general, sometimes they've been wrong, sometimes they've been right so the times it was right gets you hooked like oh it's real and then they're clouding it with with the other stuff yeah and i guess that's like any sort of conspiracy right it's like um even if one out of 50 is true that still makes you want to look into and and give some uh believe in other ones it's like oh well this one was true and it's the same people that are presenting this one but it's so out of you know and i think that QAnon is just basically like um, terrible conspiracy theorists. I don't know. That's me summing it Probably. up. Probably. <laughs> I don't. I don't know it well enough. But right now, it's it's in the flat earther category, somewhat. Like maybe not that far to it, but it just doesn't. It's not interesting to me. Maybe that'll change. I hope not, because a lot of people seem to hate it. So I don't know enough about it to to really tear it apart. Um, I guess the fact that I'm not as interested in it says enough, because that means it's not engaging enough, at least to me. But the um, with with this i haven't watched social dilemma because i feel like i already had that epiphany i probably don't know all the the fun details and maybe there are some good lines in there that'll resonate with me but sometime around the 2016 election like it became very clear to me that oh wow everyone's just sharing photos of hillary and trump whether they're for them or against them they're they're helping these faces and the, the larger reality, the larger simulation, virtual reality, everythingness, um, the tea fairy put it in good words. It doesn't it doesn't see the cross, the red circle with the cross going through the Ghostbuster sign. It just sees the thing that's there. So if you're trying to put a ghost and then the Ghostbuster sign that crosses it out saying no ghost, it's taking in the the message of ghost. That's what it hears. It doesn't hear the not part. So in perpetually putting out what you don't want you're getting that and i realized like oh just don't why engage in any of that at all go engage in your own private world and build that out and i found that that was much healthier for me than than getting sucked into whatever was going on in the news yeah so that's uh i never treated social media for the last four or five years other than anything than a like gallery like this is just my art gallery and I put the things up in there and sometimes I'll like the comments on it but that's about it this is not where I'm having a big discussion about all the things yeah yeah I think I I, I deleted my Facebook right before 
COVID hit. I think it was just like January of 2020. I just was done with it. And I think that that was just a really great time because it just did nothing. I just started paying attention to how I felt. It's dead. Yeah, it's a graveyard. Wait, who killed Facebook? No, it's not. It's not dead. Like, like it's gone, gone. But like when you go there, it just seems like zombies and a graveyard. And yeah, like really people having meltdowns. That's all I see. Perhaps there's people still getting married and posting their kids and things. But mostly when I, I, I see it when I go to post stuff, I just use it as content push um, for, for people that still are on there. But then when I see what random people are posting, it's like, oh, man, they're so gone. They left years ago. Yeah, that's a good point that it is. I mean, I haven't I don't think I've seen a Facebook like just feed. And like I said, since at least January, but it was it felt like I was dying when I was spending time on it. Like I could just feel it like sucking my life force out of me. Then I'm imagining um, I feel like I make so many Dark Crystal references, but the Dark Crystal <laughs> series that came out on Netflix were like it's like they're sucking my essence yes. away um, to use it for their life force. It's like Facebook uh, is just the fucking Skeksis behind the curtain. It is. Yeah. And you can feel it. And isn't it wild that I mean, whether you're looking at it on your phone or on your computer screen, it's just a like it's a grid of pixels that's flashing RGB lights and flickering at different rates to present an image to you. And based on what flickering that is, it's going to change your your internal feeling chemistry so much. And you get to choose what website you go to and what pixels you're subjecting yourself to and what audio you're putting into your ears. It's so easy if you just have a basic understanding of not even the English language, like any language that's in the the world. And if you, you have fingers, you can input the the characters that correspond to that and you can make what you want on the on the computer it's so easy but we also want to default to what once gave us comfort like maybe in 2007 facebook gave you comfort because you would communicate with friends and it was a good upgrade to email like the messaging was kind of cooler than than gmail or yahoo like you could see the the picture next to it you could click on the picture and see a bunch of pictures of people it, like you felt like they're more there they would introduce the scene functions. You could see if someone saw your message. Like, so it was a, a superior communication technology, but then like how we're behaving on it also has an effect. Yeah. And, and isn't it interesting in that um, I was reading a book. It was actually about animals, but it started out um, talking about how we as a society are just growing increasingly, increasingly uh, lonelier. And just more disconnected in an age where we just think that we are so connected. And then he was, the author was relating that to our lack of time in green spaces and just being out in, just going to a park, even if you live in a city, just being around the grass, around the trees, and then just observing the animals and finding a sense of connectedness in that environment. We're just so looking for it on this like um, on an artificial platform, like, just like you said, it's just lights and it's just this, it's, it seems like it's a superficial experience. Um, but they just, they, you know, the Skeksis behind the curtain want you to believe <laughs> that this is where you'll find your connection. And the more and more we take ourselves away from green spaces, which we used to just like, we just used to live in them. Um, and we used to just at least spend a little bit more time in them than we do now. Um, but just relating that to directly to our mental health and then to our just health as a society and as a collective and just, yeah, you just lacking that connection and looking for it 
and something that, you know, you can just walk outside. And the more I feel like even when I'm at, at like some of my lowest mental, emotional, spiritual capacity, I've just like had enough. I just can't handle anymore. When I just walk outside, I can feel myself getting energy back. And I don't know if, you know, I do take into account that I have a connection to the outdoors in the animal kingdom. And I know not everybody does. And I'm maybe, you know, the prescription of spending more time outside isn't for everybody, but it really just, it's so noticeable. Once I started bringing my awareness down into my body and, and being friends with it, working with it, I realized that all of these things that I thought that I was doing to help myself connecting with friends online or posting pictures or sharing things was actually just like slowly killing me and really simple things that I took for granted were giving me so much life. And yeah. Yeah. So simple, but so, so difficult if you're in that pattern already, because we're just such creatures of habit. So we'd stick to that habit and hopefully like the outside habit, if you just do it three days in a row, that'll stick and you'll want to be outside and like touching a tree and dirt and getting sunlight. And yeah, I mean, now going outside, it's like not looking at social media is the new going outside. And then going outside is the new doing a good workout. And then doing a good workout is the yeah. new, like, I don't know, becoming completely enlightened and sitting under the Saving a life. the bo- <laughs> bodhisattva tree. What's the Buddha tree? Whatever. That fucking tree that he sat under. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that big, stupid, dumb slut tree or whatever. That fucking enlightening ass tree or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I don't know. I was going to say something. Oh, I just like this. I don't know if it's... Um, a planet retrograding apparently mars is retrograding now and then i just got a notification on my phone right before we started this interview that mercury is retrograding today oh how long i don't until like mid-november i don't know for fucking do you know much about what mars retrograde is because since mars is war does that mean war is going away for a little bit feels like if mars is coming back then uh but I mean, retrograde is just the opposite direction. So maybe it's like peace. I don't know. I, I'm not very good at the planet stuff from from either direction. I'm not that good at it from an astronomy point or an astrology point. I know just the basics. Yeah, I took like a six week astrology class, but we went over like birth charts more than current transits. And uh, no, I don't fully understand it. And I honestly don't. Um, put that much weight into it when I hear that it that it's happening or that's coming. I'm like, oh, okay, well, we'll just see what happens. I'm just like painfully optimistic. So I feel like that is my mindset for anything that happens. I'm like, we'll just see. We'll just let it unfold. Right. Um, yeah. But I know that I have been experiencing uh, things that feel out of character for me, but they're, they're out of character for me where I am in my life now. Back in the day, this used to just be like a normal mode of living for, for me. Like, I just have a hard time. I don't know. I just feel like I'm just emotionally fucked up the last week. Like it's been hard for me to communicate. It's been hard <laughs> for me to like go outside. I was just saying like, guys, get off social media and go find your connection outside. And I'm like looking out my window and I'm like, I think I'll just watch TV all day. I don't know. I mean, it looks beautiful, but I'm lonely. So I'll find my connection in my devices. Um, so it's like, it, 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 I don't fucking know this, this retrograde I feel like has been, has really, been messing me up um emotionally and it's been bringing up a lot of things that i thought that i worked through years ago and it's like coming right back up and it's like no remember you like you logically process this event that happened but then you you 
or your emotional body took it and just pushed it way <laughs> down because you didn't have emotional maturity to like really digest this event. So logically, I have seen it back and forth. I know both perspectives. I am at peace with it. But my emotional body is like, no, bitch, sit down <laughs> and feel your fucking feelings. And I'm like, God damn it. And then Mercury retrograde. I just know technology gets fucked up. Yeah, I, it does. I don't know. But I do also know that what you point your perception at creates reality. So if we're all just agreeing that Mars retrograde does this thing or Mercury retrograde does this thing and then we're all pointing our perception at it, are we just then creating the phenomena? You know? Could be. I don't know. Could be could be either way. And at the end of the day, you're never you're never more in control than just your own perspective of it. So even when it's like, oh, we all focused on it and then it didn't happen or oh it's happening no matter what we focus on, at the end of the day, it's still just you alone in your skull like kind of building that reality so it's yeah if i was to go full noah lampert on it then it's like yeah man you're creating the whole fucking thing it's wild <laughs> yeah and i guess like if you if it is even something that you're experiencing outside of yourself like sometimes people I don't know. I mean, what level of frustration are you bringing into it? Right. So if all the technology stops working and you freak the fuck out, then you are like directly, you know, you're you're impacted directly by Mercury retrograde. But if you're having the same experience, you're trying to get something done, your computer shuts down and maybe you could just flip and be like, well, I guess I needed to get outside anyways. Like, haha, what a positive twist on my yeah. day. And check this out. Why would it ever work? Like, we don't know how like even one individual cannot tell you how a smartphone works. It takes like a hundred different specialized people to describe like the microprocessor, the little quartz crystal uh, quantum entanglement thing it's doing in there. And like the, the, the touchscreen person is going to be different than the person working on the chip. And it's just a, I think I heard the same thing about a computer mouse. There's not even one person that can, can put together a computer mouse. Like you need a bunch of different people from, highly specialized places. So the fact that it's ever worked at all is pretty amazing, especially these touchscreen HD video, uh, instantly video chat with someone in China right now is insane. So the fact that it worked for five seconds every month is a complete miracle. Hopefully it'll do more than that. But whenever stuff breaks down, that's what I try to tell myself. Like, well, that's amazing that it worked for this long. I don't know how it did any of that. That was magic. I could never explain it to anyone how it worked. Damn, that's a really good point. I uh, am realizing, I mean, I al already knew it, but I don't know anything about like computers or technology. I just know that like humans created it and then we just all expect it to work for us yeah. all the time. And so then I just kind of jump into that like perspective. I'm like, damn, this computer isn't working for me as it should. And <laughs> I know that it should because this guy said that it should, right? And uh, damn the Wi-Fi. It's the service is terrible here. Just some, I don't know. But, but uh, shit, yeah, I guess I didn't know that. I just take for granted that I have this computer that is like this highly intelligent device and maybe I should just give it the patience and respect that it deserves because it's just like so many different minds coming together to make this beautiful device that I just binge watch Netflix on. <laughs> yeah. And, uh... and like when, when we make the comparison of, you know, like when they're saying, oh, people had it so much better in the 80s and they could buy property and they had steady jobs. And now we're they they handed us uh, a worse world by by um, being greedy, et cetera, et cetera, which, of course, that's a, a true narrative. But also we have it so good in that 
we do have Netflix and we have all this selection and all this Postmates and Grubhub and just weed delivery, whatever you want, Tinder, everything has been commoditized and put into an app that can come straight to your door by just touching the the little black mirror that we have in our pockets that lights up with these little uh, runestone app icons. It's literal magic runestone things that you tap and then it brings you material reality to your doorstep. And that's become like a problem of abundance now where we're, there's too much stuff to watch. We get too much information. We're way too anxious and depressed. And as a result of having too much stuff, whereas before it was it was good if you got a new piece of information that's going to help you survive. If you got some sweet sugar thing, that was really good. Now we have too much sugar, too much information. And the challenge of now isn't like, oh, how are we going to survive and find berries and hunt that woolly mammoth? It's like, how do we stay sane with all this abundance constantly just beaming at us the whole time? Not everyone, but I mean, a lot of people, even if you're poverty line, you still kind of, a lot of people have smartphones and and access to Wi-Fi at least. So um, yeah, that's one struggle of now. The old struggles are still here, of course, but that's a main one with with the the people in the first world, especially. Yeah, that's one that like a majority of the collective is experiencing, right? And if like we were just saying, if the majority of the collective is pointing their perception at one thing, then we all experience it. To, I mean, if enough people, right? It's like with uh, people talking about how the Simpsons predicted shit, but really it's just like we all just watched so much of the Simpsons and talked about so much of the Simpsons that we are gods of our own reality. And then we just created uh, what the Simpsons we we made it real and i think that that's so if like we're all and, it, and it's so funny that you say that too because then we're all just sh- kind of struggling and i don't want to say we're all but i know that m- myself in particular i know my family and certain coworkers and things like that we're struggling to feel like we are living in abundance or that we have enough but just like you said we have like a magic device in our pockets that can get literally sex, drugs and food can de- get delivered to your house in less than half an hour. That is like mind blowing. Don't even have to use your voice. <laughs> you can you can use one finger. You can use the 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 weakest finger on your less dominant hand or fuck it, you can use your toe. You can make it happen with your toe if you were like really trying to do it. It's that it's that easy. And of course it's like, well, I don't have enough in my bank account to make it happen, but I mean then you can go into like lines of credit and stuff. And that's a whole another story entirely. But I mean, there wasn't lines of credit back in the old days. Like if you didn't have the resources and the energy to to make yourself work, like you couldn't borrow, you would just die. And even if you were rich, you would die. You would eat some rotten meat or something, even if you were a king. And now like if if you get rotten meat, you get your money back. You get money back and a coupon. And you didn't even really buy it with your own energy you put it on a credit card and perhaps you're accruing debt and then you have to like deal with that later but the fact that you have this security blanket that a lot of people can can go into predatory credit card company debt like that's kind of cool too that um yeah it, it is just even more abundance i really like to try to take it to the most like optimistic gratitude place as possible as you can, like as quick as you can, like what is going right right now? I mean, you can even just look in your body. Like, I don't know how my heart works it or my kidney works or my liver works. It's all just doing that. There's an intelligence inside my body that's digesting food and making the heart beat and doing like 99.999% of the work. And then I just have to 
what like make sure some bills get paid every now and then and answer emails and kind of click on the thing most of the work is getting done though so that's that's like a place to start with gratitude and then once you go farther in the outside world what's working it's wild so much is going right that's a really good point especially for how i've been feeling it's like sometimes i just get so anxious and so overwhelmed by just you know and just how you were talking about how there are no like actual words in our minds they're just vibrations so i just get so like worked up from like a vibration moving from one part of my brain to another and then back and forth um and i can't decide like what i'm gonna wear that day and then i just sit on the edge of my bed just like overwhelmed by the possibilities of like outfits and like is should I wear this coat or this coat? Well, which, you know, and I just get so fucking trapped and like even in the pandemic, really? Or is that just an example? Um, Yeah, I, this is a specific example. I just wanted to go for a walk. Oh, you wear day. fancy clothes during the pandemic? Um, I've been working throughout the whole pandemic. So uh, the people I get to show off for are my coworkers oh. and uh, they get a show. All right. They're getting <laughs> the best outfits that I have. Without giving away your privacy or anything, like what's what type of office or wherever are you working? Like what's the what's the environment? It's a cannabis and it's a, like a wholesale building. So there's only like so many of us that um, and like cannabis was considered an essential business like early on in the (laughs) pandemic so we just stayed open the entire time and uh i make my coworkers pay attention to my outfits and comment on at least one thing that i'm wearing every day i'm like all right guys here it is what do you think and they're like that's a good one ashley but we saw those leggings last week and i'm like damn it i know but you can just you can put them with different dresses you don't get it and then i walk away i slam my keep it fresh keep it fresh (laughs) in a pandemic (laughs) ramine really um no No, that's cool I mean, that's good that you get to get out of the house then. Yeah, it is. It, and it forces me to. And um, which I, I mean, yeah, so so many different people having the experiences. And it's like I, I live alone and I'm in a town. Um, I've only been in this town for a year. So it's not like I have like all of these amazing close friends. Um, so it, it, people are just talking about how isolated that they've been. And I really have been outside of that experience during all of this just because I have gone to work every day and it is a reason to like put on clothes and like pack a lunch and get in my car and go to work and it's like that sense of i guess normalcy that like i was not craving (laughs) at all but you know i almost wish i could give that to somebody else because i would like a little bit more chaos in my day-to-day life um i feel myself saying that but i started to imagine myself in in constant chaos and then another part of me like wanted to like not say that they're like no 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 no. we (laughs) like stability and we we like Ashley, what the fuck yeah you want excitement about? not chaos nobody wants chaos i mean i don't know about nobody wants chaos or that's and not true there's people that love getting kicked in the balls for an hour so there's people that love everything but like wait are you talking about like professional fighters or somebody's actually just getting kicked in the balls for hours no i mean yeah people that like femdom and like uh what's it called um i know the 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 know. broader category Mas- is masochism well, yeah, that's the that's the even bigger category. Or I mean, you can have men also kicking you in the balls. It doesn't have to be women kicking you in the balls, but just the whole uh, like um, ball busting. Is that what it's called? I mean, that's what it's called at work or like, hey, I'm just busting your balls. But there's like literal uh, just taking like really strong kicks right in the right in the jewels. And uh, that's like their their kink and stuff <laughs> like that. So I'm saying there's a category of people not that everyone that loves chaos wants that and that's also not necessarily chaos because you're predicting something that's happening but 
when I see when I think of chaos, it's like um, like unorganized data as opposed to really organized systems that are co-helping each other. Just just pure randomness, which you can't really make any sense of that. Right. Um, I did just want to note that uh, I like our friendship because you explained technology, computers, and kinks to me all in an hour. <laughs> I was like, I don't. What do you mean, Rami? I'm on the internet a lot. In the balls? What? And you're like, yeah, it's a whole thing. And I'm, I'm like, oh. Yeah. I was really surprised <laughs> to learn that uh, I listened to an interview with Ashley Matthews, who uh, she plays Riley Re- Reed, the porn star. But Riley Reed is just the porn star name and the person that made up the the character and owns the business and uh, you know likes listening to Sam Harris and is an intellectual and everything. Uh, she's uh, she did an interview and somehow CF. NM was brought up and she didn't even know what that was. I'm like, she's in the, she's one of the biggest porn stars in the world and she didn't even know what that category is. That's crazy. Um, Yeah, I totally know what that category yeah, is. Yeah, she didn't know, which is wild. And it's like when I was also on this other podcast talking to people who's, they were specialized in gender and mating and uh, like, you know, sociology and people and uh, the word thirst trap was brought up. And they didn't know what a thirst trap was. And that blew my mind, too. I'm like, you're a professor. You don't know what a thirst trap is. This is a five-year-old term. You got to get with it. You got to be on the cutting edge. But also, I get that they're they're probably so specialized that some things fly over their heads. Right. And um, everybody's algorithm is different, right, Ramin? Yeah. <laughs> some people just see dog videos. Yeah. But I thought if you're teaching <laughs> college-age kids like every day and you've got like all these new fleets of them and you're like talking to them and stuff, I feel like it would come up. But I don't know. Maybe not. They also didn't know what catfishing was. Oh, classic. <laughs> I feel like catfishing is more of a classic than thirst trap, although they can, um, th- those two work together. Oh, yeah, for sure. One, one is used, <laughs> one is the trap. And of course, fishing is a type of trap, right? Like you put the worm on the hook. Yeah, you put the, um, the hot worm on the <laughs> hot hook and then you catch the fish. Yeah, you catch the hot fish. <laughs> Oh, I wonder what is the hottest fish. That's probably a question for me, huh? Yeah. Yeah, you know this stuff better than your your answer would hold up in court. Mine wouldn't, even if I had more evidence. You're the divine yeah. dingo. I, I like learning stuff, not like I'm not that I'm that academic learning that I read like lots of books beginning to end and can recite them, but um just like kind of trying to see as broadly as I can, you know, like those Japanese gardens that starts off very closed in and you walk up some stairs and then there's even more plants and then you walk up some more stairs and then it's like big hills with like different worlds that were way bigger than even the first place you were standing. So it gives you this sense of endless expansion. And I like to do that with whatever it is, whether it's political affiliations or seeing all the porn categories or seeing all the music categories like I want to know how big the internet is that's like a a zooming out exercise I like to do like how far can you zoom out of the the multiverse and see like oh what's this world what's this world but also that's not true in that I have never even seen the dark web because I'm afraid of it being like I don't know if the FBI sees you on the dark web I don't even know how to go on it yeah, I was just gonna say, like, what do you do? You just Google the dark web, and then it, it takes you there. I mean, I've thought about how do you get to the online black market? You know, like, what link do you click? This is I just don't know. I think you you run like a separate thing, maybe maybe there's like a separate uh for like a browser or something that's more 
um, more open sourcey, like to different servers. Yeah, it's not right. on the main World Wide Web. It's probably not that hard to to find it. I'm sure. Yeah, like you said, you could just Google dark web, and then it probably gives you a list of uh, seven steps, and like install this run command and then enter this command line and enter your IP address and put on this VPN shield so that they can't see your IP address. And then you can buy drugs or trade bestiality incest <laughs> videos or whatever you want. I mean, but nowadays you can just like, I mean, I live in a state where weed is legal and I was out with a friend and they were like, yeah, I was getting weed delivered to my house the other day. And I was like, what that just happens i mean it happened when uh i lived on the east coast and like there were drug deals like that happened but but out here it's just so much more formal and now that like we're in the pandemic we're just reverting back to just classic drug deals like the dude with the weed just comes over to your house um and sometimes yeah isn't that crazy yeah and it's like uh not to be a um like ultimately um i mean i don't think this is annoying i don't know why i'm prefacing it because i preface everything i have to but the the craziness that is the weed is an essential service you can get it delivered to your door and there's still like so many people in federal private prisons doing you know decades of time for having a joint in the 80s or something and meanwhile as they've been rotting in jail or maybe they're not rotting maybe they're bettering themselves or something but uh for let's be safe and say that a lot of them are probably having a worse time in the federal prison than they would be if they were free and they're still having to sit in the jail, even though that's legal now. It feels like that should have just been instant. I know that I don't understand economy or politics that well, but it seems like if that law passes, it seems like also everybody arrested prior, like, okay, we got to let you out now because it's it's legal now. That would be stupid to keep you in. Rules have changed. Get out. But the prisons are private, right. so they have to stay and keep their firefighting slaves. So I understand that as well. Yeah. And like, you're a good person. So in your mind, you're like, oh, well, this has been now this is legal. We should just set everybody free. But the people yeah, that don't own prisons are not good people. I mean, I, that's a generalization. But They're not like, the best. They can't be the best people. You know, yeah, I, don't think that they're, yeah. <laughs> I don't think that they're winning any awards anytime soon, except for like other people at like the I don't know, the prison Dundies. Is that probably? A thing? Probably yeah. is. <laughs> you did so good at um keeping people coming back to jail you made so much money for like target to keep making clothes or something i don't know yeah sorry target if that's not what you do but we'll just throw you under the bus for whatever reason no we're on to you target (laughs) we know yeah please shop at walmart everyone please drive a little farther out (laughs) do not support target slave later buy from the walton family you know it's just right across the street. You know, Target and Walmarts, they are just in the same parking lot these days. It's just like, choose your evil. Do you want the blue pill or the red pill? Just fucking pick one and just go for it. Yeah. Isn't um, there like, um, or I haven't fully researched this, but I know a friend who, or more of an acquaintance, we're not that close, um, uh, but he won a slot machine. He won a million dollars on in a slot machine and... Uh, you know, after taxes and stuff, maybe it was like 500K, but basically won a ton of money. And uh, he's very socialist, was like in the Democratic Socialists of America, like huge Bernie guy, et cetera. And he wanted like, after he made all that money, he's like, okay, I, I don't want to give any of it to anything that's immoral and is like doing all this research. And his conclusion was basically, it's impossible the way it's all set up now. Like it, it eventually does kind of go to something that you 
are not cool with and not not making a case for nihilism or anything or that it can't be changed. I'm also not making the case of necessarily you have to grab a pitchfork and burn everything down right now, but I thought it was interesting how intertwined we are with with the thing. Even if you wanted to, you still are a little complicit in some type of slave labor, conflict minerals or or something like that. I like how I can always just justify it and somehow put myself back in the center. Like, I'm not saying it's good, but I'm not saying burn it down. I'm not saying anything. I'm sitting on the fence very comfortably. I'm not saying anything. Yeah. You're like, I'm very comfortable here, guys. Uh, <laughs> what is that? It's, that's not a devil's advocate, is it? A devil's advocate is the opposite. Like, you're you're defending the other side. You're like steel manning the other side's argument. Like, if I were to play devil's advocate, I would say that slavery is good and that wildfires need to be fought and it's better to use inmates to do them. I'm just I'm just playing devil's advocate. I'm the lawyer of the devil. <laughs> <laughs> the lawyer of the devil. I was just watching like a paranormal investigation where they were taking like throughout time. I think like Christianity was uh do you know anything about the green man? No. And it's like it's like the, this, uh, I, I'm probably going to quote it wrong. I know that you've seen pictures of um, like uh, adaptations of the green man, but it's really just like a man's face and then a bunch of like green hair coming out from all around him. But um, he was seen as kind of like uh, some people in, in lore throughout times, like loved the green man and worshiped him. And they thought that, you know, he did so much for the land and like with the name as the green man and, and with the animals and all of that. And so they paid homage to him Um that was the correct i don't know they well, i'm looking him. up a picture and yeah this is a familiar looking thing but keep going right yeah and apparently christianity took uh characteristics from the green man and then um like added that to what they were thinking like the devil would be and then they like demonized it like they did with most good things <laughs> um but saying, like i'm the devil's lawyer it's like who whose lawyer are you because the devil is everything and uh, i don't know where i was going with that i've been like, yeah Ooh, right maybe it's I mean, just a branch but it's still the same thing no that's interesting it kind of reminds me a little yeah, bit of in right? that matthew mcconaughey woody harrelson show what's it called the de detective true detective kind of reminds me of that oh, that yeah. face i wonder if it was alluding to that at all maybe not wait which which face? I really liked that. What are you True Detective, about? like there's that picture of the 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 man or something. Um, oh yeah, and she thought that like the kids thought that she saw like a creature, but it was like a person with deformities. Yes, right? exactly. The Yellow King, I think, is what yeah. it was called. Yes, dude, that show that was such a good season that honestly creeped me out and they're like now i um use it like i'll see some i don't know if i'm in like certain parts of the country if i'm traveling i'm like this has a real true detective vibe <laughs> um, oh yeah to, like, <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah yeah you're not trying to stay too long in in uh that area right oh, i'm no. not trying to see the yellow man you don't want to speed either mm -hmm. you don't want to get pulled over but you also want to get out of there because the cops are in on it Oh shit! Yeah, I was just thinking. Like a part of me was like, "No, f fuck that! I it doesn't matter. I'm running for my life." But then, yeah, if the cops, shit, mm -hmm. goddamn. Yeah, you got to go. Right. Just you want to not be noticed. Oh my god, I'm not good at that. I don't think. Like sometimes, at like, not being noticed. 
Yeah, I just and sometimes it's like I'll like I said today I I have like this witch hat and it's like subtle enough that you can just wear it and like from the front people don't know it's a witch hat but when you turn around it's got a little point on it and I was just gonna go full on witch just to run some errands like I had this whole crazy jacket Hell and stuff yeah. and I, like, I love this outfit it was such a character and I was like oh my god I fucking love this outfit and then I was like wait a second I don't want I don't want to be noticed that much and so <laughs> I just like. Like, I don't need that many people because I feel like the more sensitive I am to energies and whatever the fuck I'm more sensitive to, I can just feel when people are pointing their like just looking at me, I can just feel it. And so, you know, I was like, I can't I can't handle that today. Is is the witch hat? Is it from Ravenclaw? The Ravenclaw hats like in Harry Potter or it's different? Um, I it's not directly from Ravenclaw, but what is that like a thing? Well, there's just what, a scene in Harry um, Potter, the movies, like where the uh, the Ravenclaw house or whatever the um the 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 people that are a little older than Harry and and Hermione and um, Ron, they uh they had these little hats that looked like normal hats, but they had a tiny witch pointiness, so they were like kind of hip witch hats, not the really big uh goblin-y looking halloween decoration witch but like a, a kind of sleek looking one so i was i was just curious if you owned one of those or if it was a different thing um you describing it yes i think that that is exactly what the inspiration came from because like you can't like you said like if you're just looking at it for a second you don't realize that it's a witch hat but it's just got this little subtle like point on the end oh, of it so cool. i mean i I'm uh, starting a petition that I'm hoping to get myself to sign um, and to commit to wearing it year round. Um, but there's other parts of myself that I don't think that's going to get on board with signing this uh, decree and putting it into <laughs> law that it's okay to wear this fucking witch hat whenever I want to. Um, it's almost like getting in real good shape. You can't just do it overnight. If you do it consistently, then eventually people will be like, no, she can pull it off, but no one else could pull that off. But day one, it's probably going to be met with some, some you know, hilarious lines. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know if it's Mars retrograde or what, but I just like am a little sensitive right now and I can't <laughs> handle anybody saying anything but nice stuff to me. I think your podcast <laughs> sucks and it's because of you. <laughs> just kidding. You're great. And I love talking to you. You know, when you were talking about not wanting to be seen at the grocery store, I was thinking about when you know, the music group Daft Punk, then they went to the Grammys and they, uh, you know, Daft Punk has these robot masks that they wear in all the music videos and the album covers and people don't really know what they look like. So they hired some other people to wear the robot masks and then the robot mask people are getting all the paparazzi and the press attention. And meanwhile, the actual two guys are just wandering around like completely anonymous and I thought it was so hilarious that they could stand next to what people thought was them undetected. And so you kind of had the freedom of you got it both ways. You got the fame and the freedom of privacy. Oh, I wonder if um, I'm just having a flashback to one time I was waiting outside for the uh, vocalist of my favorite band after a show to come out. And there was like 10 of us waiting. Smash Mouth? Yeah, it was Smash Mouth. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was like so excited to see because we all know like, the, you know, the lead guy of Smash Mouth. Of course. And I was waiting for them to come out. And um, I think. Who was like, it really? Uh, it was actually, um, I'm embarrassed. I'm not embarrassed to say it, but at all because it's my favorite band. But it was Circus Survive, actually. Really, Anthony Green? Why are you embarrassed? Colin's a good friend of mine, actually. 
Yeah, it was embarrassed was like the wrong word. I don't know why I said embarrassed. Mars retrograde Ramin. I don't know. I'm <laughs> you know sensitive. why? I think it's I think it's because we've been conditioned to kind of be sensitive about our music taste because amongst all our music tastes, nobody's got like perfect, you know, like aligned to what Rolling Stone and Pitchfork would call the the best stuff. Like we might throw in a little bit of 311 here and some Red Hot Chili Peppers and Incubus and 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 stuff like that we just kind of like or some Sheryl Crow. I'm not saying any of that is bad, but sometimes or let's take Nickelback, the most obvious one that people would be like, oh, Nickelback, but you might like a couple of their songs. So we have to like kind of skirt around it and be like, yeah, I don't really like them, but whatever. I was there and they were performing and I knew the door guy. So whatever I saw them and it was I don't even remember it. Well, meanwhile, right. it's the best night of your life. And so we're kind of embarrassed musically. Yeah, and I like I don't I I guess I want it was like hesitating. I just realized like the connection. I think it was when you were in your live with Colin. I was like, all right, this guy, oh, Ramin's on a live. That's cool. And then like I put it together who he was, and I was like, wait, what the fuck is the connection here? Hold up, wait a <laughs> second. Um, and the, yeah, but the the story was I was waiting outside, and I knew um Anthony Green, like he was just somebody that I idolized for like all of my teenage years, so I knew his face well. From right? Seosin too. Yeah, exactly. Yes, the when Seosin was good. Um, uh, God, I feel like such a uh, this I was such a metal kid in my teenage years. I just had a flashback to me being like, yeah, when Seosin was good. Um, <laughs> I stand by that. No, I have I have all kinds of opinions like that. Um. I want you to finish that story, but I'd also love to hear more like metal bands and I don't want you to hide and I will I will expose the same vulnerability as well. Okay, good, good. I feel safe. Um, okay, the story. Are you ready for the finish? It's a big one. Ready. Um, I was staying there waiting for Anthony Green to come out and then I think it was like, um, it def- it wasn't Colin that walked by because I would have remembered his face. It was somebody else from the band walked right by me and was like looking at me, like waiting for me to to say like hey oh my gosh great show or something and i had no idea who the fuck it was and i just remember like i just was wondering if they people that aren't the um the people that stand in the front or at least the vocalist in a band feel like they can just walk by people and not be noticed um <laughs> because i mean obviously when anthony green walked out i was like hello anthony i know your name i know a lot about you but then all the other band members i'm like get out of the way are you part of the crew or what I don't know what's going on. <laughs> it's like yeah well, yeah oh yeah that's funny that's like when uh brad pitt and matt damon and george clooney were in china or something and people are literally like pushing matt damon and george clooney out of the way to get to brad pitt like to them they were no one compared to him I forget what year it was. Maybe this changes every few years, but it was funny that like these are the important guys too, but get out of the way. This is an important guy. Fucking George, come on. No, I don't. I don't. It might have not been George. It might have been someone else. I know it was Matt Damon and Brad Pitt, and I filled in the third name because of rule of three to keep <laughs> the energy flow closed. Yeah, I don't But see you don't want to always do that. Sometimes <laughs> <laughs> you don't? Ocean's 15 or whatever? I don't know. You've lost me. I don't know. I think they do. I mean, they yeah. they can't relate to little uh, plebes like us. Like they would, they just probably can't. Are, is that the word for poor people or non? What do they call it in Succession? Uh, have you seen Succession, the show on HBO? It's about billionaires. Mm-mm. 
Oh, it's fantastic. I'm I'm not one to say like, oh, you got to go see it. But you know, if you're looking for a new show and want to see some interesting characters, there is one. But they refer to to people like let's say if someone on an island got killed or someone who was a janitor got killed they they refer to them as no real person involved so there's like a class of people like the billionaire class and important tech people and then if it's just a low worker it was if something happened to them they're like uh what does it call it nrpi they're an nrpi no real person involved so i went out on that limb to describe that term <laughs> i'm turning into mike kaplan every day i'm like that is a term that i said and you can say it too or not it's all um, all right i did write down plebes and i'm gonna use that <laughs> I like that like I identify with that um for a lot of different reasons that i am excited to unpack have you seen um this is the have you seen show now have you seen parasite where the the rich guy is like saying that his driver like smells like fish of course where he he doesn't hear him later he finds out but he's like yeah the driver smells disgusting poor people just uh they smell like fish or something and i was just thinking about that like what if you're so rich that every moment of your life is so curated you never smell the garbage you never do the dishes everything is always good so when you when you smell someone that works at fast food or something you're like oh these plebes <laughs> smell Ugh. smelly dirty please yeah so that's why i think that george clooney and matt damon and brad pitt might hang out or maybe they're down to earth guys who knows maybe hey. the rich and the super famous are the most miserable it could be yeah i think that they are the saddest um i think i used to feel like i wanted to be famous there was a time in my life where i was like yeah i want that but i don't know what the fuck i wanted from it maybe uh i don't know being freedom able to power yeah, <laughs> the obvious thing. Validation. Right? Yeah, your yeah. life has meaning and you bring joy to the lesser people. You don't think of them as lesser, but also you kind of do. What uh, What were you imagining getting famous at like when you were wanting that fame? Like was oh, it, Broadway. did you want to be a singer, a dancer, an actor? Broadway? Oh, interesting. 100%. Are you a drama I, kid? Oh, yeah, yeah. All, all I was in uh, theater and chorus. So, you know, I did a little bit of both, but we I did not do band. We did not do band class. It was like a hard, like there was like a war between the band kids and then like the thespians and the choir kids. And we all shared one hallway. Oh, we that's funny. We, we didn't like each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's funny. I was I was orchestra. So I'm like even farther into the or I don't know about that because band like band has marching band. There's band camp. They're like wearing the the military kind of outfit things and uh, orchestra is so much more docile and it's like mostly just quiet and it's the concentration of all the Asian kids at the school. If there's like 0.03% Asian at your high school, like they're all there and there's uh, uh, I, and I feel like we weren't as... Um, we weren't as fun as band. Band had all these crazy stories of getting into hijinks and having sex on the bus and uh, performing <gasps> naked for their auditions. About, yeah, sex. I was going to say, I was like, Ashley, don't say it. But they used to fuck each other on the way to like events on the buses. What oh, was that for about? Sure. Yeah, like just on top, like just not even hiding under the seat, like just kind of bobbing up and down like. Gently, and I'm sure the bus driver's like, "Look, I don't want to have to deal with this. I'm just going to ignore it unless it becomes a problem." That's my my take on the situation. But the yeah. the naked audition thing too. Do you know how like 
uh, musicians for for state and regional orchestra and band they have to play the judges are sitting behind a curtain so they can't see the the musician because otherwise they would have bias because what if they're like oh i don't want uh, another woman on the orchestra or something like so they're their personal biases cannot interfere with it. They just hear the sound. And since the judges can't see them, like a, bod- a bunch of the trombone and trumpet players would just strip down like bare ass naked and then play the song seriously and then go back to their seat. And uh, I always thought that was funny too. But we never did anything like that. We were kind of tame. Yeah. I mean, that was the, the orchestra. I felt like the orchestra um, kids were put there like they were given some sort of string instrument at a really young age. And like their parents had a lot of like high hopes for them, maybe living vicariously through them. Um, that was always the vibe that I got was like they have a lot of weight on their shoulders like they. Oh, yeah. To just Especially the Asian off. kids. The yeah. Asian kids do. I did a little bit, but I also I also wanted to. It was like my parents had me in in lessons from very early age but also I did want to play the I did want to play the violin and uh, later became more into the guitar and stuff but I'm definitely something there's something string instrumenty about my soul I think and the same way there's some people who they were meant to play trumpet like I've never had interest in learning trumpet my brother played it I never even tried to be like oh how do I learn this even a little bit like um yeah, and then some people also don't give a shit about guitars. Like, I don't know what you feel about instruments. Were you at all interested in instruments or just who cares? This is, I want to sing and act and dance. Um, as I get older, I really, I just really wish that, um, I feel like my parents didn't have a lot of patience for me. If they tried to teach me one thing and I struggled with it, like like a hobby, um, if I struggled with it at all, they're like, oh God, whatever, she's never going to get this. She doesn't want to do this. And then they <laughs> on it and then um so now there's just so many little things in life that i wish that i learned and one of them is an instrument um and so i was always a singer um but i just don't and i just feel like as um a singer and i am a performer just my personality I'm, i perform everywhere i go and then also just being on stage um growing up that was like when I experienced confidence for the first time was when I was just like performing in front of a bunch of people. I was like, Oh, is this what confidence feels like? Um, (laughs) it was, it was a profound moment for me. I would say, I think I was in like my early teens when I was like, Oh wait, I can do this. And everybody thinks I'm funny. And it was like the power that I was feeling, realizing that so many people agreed that I could like sing and I was funny. Um, but to answer your question, I have a uh, I have an acoustic guitar sitting in a case. I just recently brought it with me on like a 10 hour travel day from the East Coast to the West Coast. And I still have not learned to play it. And I just like I, I really, really want to because I feel like once I do, that's just going to open the door. It's just going to like bring me to a whole new place with music that I've never been before. It's like one thing to sing. But if I can be in control of just writing my own music. I mean, that is just something that I've, I dream about. And so I don't know why, like I don't do it. Maybe, um, I could say that like my hands start to hurt when I'm learning the guitar, I could say whatever excuse, but it's probably just like fear of being vulnerable and fear of failure or something. I don't know. Yes. You know? It's a hundred percent that it has nothing to do with your hands. As a matter of fact, there's people like, uh, like Dweezil Zappa has terrible fingers for guitar playing, but he's he excels tremendously at it. He has to like put on really light gauge strings and he can't play right after he gets out of the shower because it'll just shred his fingers up. But he's managed to to 
take it to some pretty crazy places and he doesn't have the like people often talk about oh look at Jimi hendrix he had such big hands and he did it because he had big hands but it had nothing to do with big hands i will say that you should take it out of the case don't leave it in the case ever have it sitting somewhere very convenient so that when it's a choice of picking up your phone or picking up the instrument you'll go for the instrument and you should have like a a song you want to learn who cares if it's even the full song like you don't have to share it with anyone but if you're if you're going to learn like just scales like it's less likely you'll want to learn it you got to do fun stuff and then um that's my uh philosophy anyway that the fun stuff will just kind of naturally you'll you'll want to learn it i wanted to ask you do uh i want to ask you a couple of woo woo questions what what's your um what's your uh, astrological signs and also what's your human design if you know those um, yes, Ramin. Thank you for asking. I do know both of those. Um, you want to know my sun, moon and rising for my astrology? Yeah. Yeah. Just because yeah. I'm trying to see where it fits into your like wanting to be a performer and the the funny person, but also you want to be private, but also you want to be validated and people recognize you're funny and, and talented, etc. Um, I am a rising Libra. My sun is cancer and then my moon is Libra. Oh, double Libra. Yeah. Yeah. I, okay. uh, and had, what about like, your my... hue, hue design? What's your hue oh, D? I'm a manifester. I'm just manifester. Um, not like oh, a manifester. Just manifester. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, that one has actually been like hard for me to digest, um, learning about it. The fact that, um, I don't know, not a lot. It's like a small percentage of the population, uh, is a manifester. And then just talking about how, I think that the biggest thing is like, it's my, uh, my self theme is to inform people. And so basically like the idea is that, uh, I never, I want to say it's like, you never ask for permission. Like you just go and it's like, okay, uh, Ramin, we're recording this podcast and this is what we're doing. This is the format and this is how long it's going to be. And then I just tell you, but I don't, I don't know if it's a part of me feels like it's, uh, it's, I'm taking a more of like a, uh, authoritarian, like this is the way that it is rather than just, um, the <laughs> idea of manifester, which is just like, you tell people what you're doing and then it doesn't matter. Um, like what they say. I don't So that has been a hard idea of manifester for me to digest is because I've struggled with confidence my whole life. So then to find out that my human design is to just do whatever I want and to um, like bring dreams into reality for myself and for others and to like inspire others and to, um, to initiate, like I am the initiator. Uh, yeah. It, it's hard for me to wrap my head around, honestly. Yeah. Interesting. That does that does make sense though. Yeah. Even though I don't I don't know you super well, but still like I don't know, it still resonates with me. Oh, and the other thing, like we we were talking about the metal stuff earlier. What were the other what were some other metal groups you wanted to name? Oh. I've turned uh, it around. I think I've been interviewing you now. Yeah, that, you that's have. what a podcast is. All right. Well you tell you tell me a metal band and then I'll tell you a metal band. We'll go back and forth. Okay. Um The Letters Organize. <laughs> or does they count as metal or they're more uh they're like hardcore or something i don't know because I... circus survive is not uh metal but then again we're just splitting hairs if we're saying only megadeth and metallica and obituary are metal and then pantera is prog rock and etc yeah i um one thing i actually AFI? With... did you like afi mm, i don't know that was a little too 
uh, I don't know the word for it, but it just wasn't really like it was a little too done up for me. Does that make sense? Like done up like too much makeup and the pink tie and the uh the i don't know the straight edge but i don't mean they're not the inventor of the straight edge oh no that makes sense were Um, they straight edge because my my experience two of them were is like um i grew up in virginia in like richmond virginia there was like a really big um like hardcore scene where it's really just like it's kind of like punk rock but it's just um more aggressive and they just like uh fucking hate people a lot of it the theme was straight edge like it was a lot of like richmond straight edge and they would like go out and in richmond virginia i feel like there's there's a people that do drugs and a lot of them and get fucked up and then there's the straight edge kids and they would just like constantly fight it was weird um so that was like part of Mm. i I felt kind of like all the guys i was into like the hottest guys were like into hardcore music i was way more into um just like I get. I don't even know really how to put a genre on Circus Survive. It's hard for me to, but I really do like those beautiful. Like it's just music that makes me fucking feel something. I don't really care what genre it is, as long as it just like gets me to emote. I'm into it, right? Aside yeah. from country music, for the most part, I will say I am one of those. It's like I mean, some George <laughs> Strait songs get me in my feels, but that's about it, you know. Um, yeah, there's always the exceptions, but I guess because you brought up metal earlier, I was trying to see what your definition of of metal was. And of course, yeah, circa is their own their own thing. I have trouble putting them in into a box as well, which is a good sign. I think if you're in a box, I'm trying to think of like I actually for some reason um suck at like names of things. I don't know. I heard Jessa talk about how like masculine energy is really good at like retaining information and then feminine energy is just like good at feeling and whatever. I don't know. She said a bunch of other great things that I'm butchering, but um I've just always been oh, frustrated. Isn't that great? You don't even remember the thing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that proves that proves the point. No, she she does talk about that a lot. And I think that is um that's not a worse or better way of doing it. It's just, uh, yeah, some are, some of us are wired differently. But yeah, I think because the male energy is like bounded, closed systems. And then the feminine energy is all about infinity, multitasking, like endless abundance, as opposed to a, put a border around a thing and then define it. Like, uh, yeah, that's why the male energy is like, let's retain this and define it and put it in its box. And now we can move on to the next thing and colonize that rather than you can be what you want as long as I'm connecting with you while I feel you don't have to have a name. Right. And that's how I feel about um, like music, musical artists and like actors and movies and stuff. And I remember um, when I was a teenager and I would wear like a band T-shirt or something. And then like that fucking asshole would come up to me and be like, oh, that's your favorite band. Tell me one of their songs. Tell me one of their (laughs) band members names now. And I was like always just Joey Ramone pressure i was like Im, does this mean i'm not a true fan and the older i'm getting i'm like no that just means that person was a asshole one and like um just with just listening to you talk throughout this i mean in other podcasts of yours and in this podcast i'm so impressed by like the amount of information that you're just able to pull out and you just have like it's just so not something i used to just think um you know, just terrible things about myself, like I'm dumb or I'm not a true fan or this and that. But it just I'm glad that I now finally have another way to just explain the way that my energy works is because I am just such a feeler. Um, 
And it, 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 I don't know. It's like, I, I think that the more emotion that I'm feeling at the time that information is given to me, like when I'm really, really excited about something and it is just like facts and numbers getting thrown at me, I will retain that. And if I'm just less excited or my heart is not in it as much and you're still throwing facts at me, it's just like bouncing right off of me. Like I have no fucking idea and it has yeah. been frustrating and it is like with bands because it's like i feel like i have a really i love my taste in music and i love to share it with people but then when people are like name wouldn't some it bands, be great if you hated it <laughs> what i said wouldn't it be great if you hated your taste in music <laughs> i just like, like uh. yeah oh god I, why do i have to listen to this fucking song again um, yeah every time you turn on music um i can never fucking when people are like oh what's that song like oh tell me i'm like oh that's awkward i have no fucking idea so that's why i really love um bringing it full circle i love different apps like spotify that just allow you to save the music and then i don't feel like a big dummy i can go just give me a second i'll pull out the magic brick in my phone and i'll tell you the name of that artist and i feel so fucking empowered i'm like oh, i remember things um yeah <laughs> yeah uh it might be the last generation to kind of be like that or it might just be a wiring thing but uh people don't idolize musicians as much as they did where it's like oh it's all about having jimmy page on your wall or jimmy hendrix or stevie ray vaughn it's like here's a thousand artists that i liked yesterday and uh yeah here you go none of them are my idol i love all of them in their own kind of little way and yeah that's kind of a better way of doing it than having just one idol person right i mean it, it is like you know some people like to have that structure of like um, these are my favorite colors. This is my favorite food. This is my favorite music. But I, and I was so long, I've tried to put myself in that because I feel like maybe it was pressure from society. Yes, it was pressure from society. And then my family to just like, Ashley, who are you? What do you want? What do you like? But the more that I like grow up, the, the, the older I get, I realize that my experiences and just, well, my, my preferences are so fluid and it just changes so quickly that, and I am hoping and it feels like the the less that I identify with the things that I like, um, the more that I can actually fully experience them. Because if I'm like, oh, this is my favorite band, it almost just takes away um, yeah. magic, right? It's like, because for I just for me personally, everything is so fluid. And so some people find power in um, having a list of their favorite things. And this is who I am to a T. But for me, it's just like, that shit like stresses me out. If I can't just change everything at the drop of a dime like i just feel trapped even if it's just like my favorite food although it has been nachos for most of my life i will say <laughs> no that's a skill for sure and especially as the world continues to go in this direction it's uh it's a skill to be able to let go of stuff and uh pick up new things rather than crystallizing what your identity is and then this is my favorite stuff and oh no they put out a bad record but my favorite band and they put out a bad record i got a cognitive dissonance prove that it's good otherwise uh, the shirt has to go to goodwill or whatever thing it is it, tomorrow you can you can get the urge to like i'm going to clear my spotify favorites list and start from blank because i'm psycho today 
<laughs> that's so that's funny that you bring up that example because I am transitioning from Apple Music to Spotify and I have been um I've just been almost like obsessed with building this library and these playlists that I've had on Apple for so long. And I have kind of started actually just opening my Apple app and then my Spotify one and then transferring artists by following them on Spotify. But um, I am really excited for the day that I just delete my Apple music and delete the subscription and lose (laughs) those years because I'm so fucking tired of it. I just feel like I, I am not that person who created that library all these years ago, but like, I'm also not the person that has the patience to go through and like edit it. I'd rather just fucking delete it all over again. Yeah, it's a stepping stone. It it served its purpose, maybe, and now you're ready to to move on to the next thing. To feel the feel the new things, right? Feel the new things. Damn, Ramin, we talked for an hour and forty three minutes and twenty three, twenty four, twenty five, twenty six. Twenty five. What if we did this for three hours afterwards? <laughs> twenty seven, twenty eight, twenty nine. This I mean, has been counting the second half. I feel like we covered a lot of good stuff here. Yeah, I, I feel like I want the title to be something like Ramin teaches me a lot because <laughs> I feel like you taught me like <laughs> five things. Oh, like that's wonderful. Things that I didn't know. Um, some of them, you know, I mean, plebes, I could have. I actually um, do not know what CFNM means. I was being sarcastic when you said it earlier. I was like, yeah, I totally know what that means. And you were like, yeah. Oh, it's, do you, it's closed clothed male no uh clothed female nude male so the women are wearing clothes and then the man is not wearing any clothes and they're like whatever it is whether they're performing a sexual act on him or whether he's just beating off in front of them or whether he's just kind of standing there and they're like talking about it it can it can go the either way it can be a humiliation route it can be the um you know, worshiping route, uh, but it's a it's a huge genre, and 
um yeah why did we bring it oh yeah we brought it up because i was so surprised that they that the porn star person didn't know that one when i mean it's not the biggest like in terms of when you're thinking of amateur or mature or gangbang or stuff like that that's probably a higher up one but still once you're getting into the what next level of granularity i was surprised and what what fascinates me about that or music is just the level of 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 the taxonomy that gets generated out of it like there's music okay it's classical now it's rock now it's hard rock now it's metal now it's hardcore metal now it's clown core now it's the the little granularities it, it goes infinitely forever there's even hip-hop like old redneck country guys doing hip-hop it's awful but it exists and it shows how how crazy it, it gets out there with all the taxonomy that was quite a unwinding familiar. there yeah yeah mm -hmm. yeah i'm familiar with hip-hop um more than i'd like to be because my sister uh she really subscribes to that kind of shit i don't know it's like hip -hop. to hip-hop it's oh, like, no. yeah, it's so, it, honestly, I'm like, what, what's, what's going on here? <laughs> like, like, <laughs> a visit, I get in your car, I don't know, it starts out with like a rap beat, but then some guy with like a southern voice talking about trucks, it's just, it's really, it's a mind fuck. Yeah, it shocked me the first day I saw it. You but saw there you it, go, and I'm sure there's so many yeah like just i don't know how i ended up there but just on youtube as i was journeying like you just kind of eventually end up in some corner of the world where you're like oh wow i never even thought of that and i thought that i was someone who thought of everything like oh i've seen it all like you're not gonna shock me nowadays i mean you can gross me out but like shocking it's kind of like oh no nothing's shocking jane's addiction 1991 album but uh when i heard that i was like oh i never even thought of the hip hop seems uh what is it like a paradox or something it seems like those two couldn't exist on top of one another and they shouldn't but they do yeah they really shouldn't like they really <laughs> no <laughs> so much shouldn't but it does because that's what the universe does it, it wants to make everything that'll be the first thing that we um set on fire when, for the new world hip-hop just all of it just burn. <laughs> That's the first like little piece of wood that gets the rest going. Like, okay, we got to really aim the the torch thing at this. Cover it completely in butane. Yeah. 